Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Hawthorne, Tatman, Jenkins, Hutchinson, Hirsi Ali and Plumwood. Let's get radical about philosophy. I am not the same baby I used to be. I am not the child I used to be. I am not even the person I was last week. I don't know who I am. But is that such a bad thing. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. And I'm speaking to Dr. Mona Machada about self. Welcome to the program. Thank you. What does Buddhist philosophy have to say about the self? Well, in fact, what the Buddhists have to say about the self is that there is no self. One of the most distinguishing features of Buddhist philosophy and a very central and important thesis is that there is no self. Now, what exactly do they mean by this? They mean that there is no one thing that continues to exist over a lifetime. So you are not the same person in virtue of having a self which continues or, you know, comes in on, comes to life when you're born and then passes away when you die. There is no such thing, according to the Buddhists. So what was it that inspired you to study the self? Well, I've um, always been interested in you know, issues in metaphysics and self is a special topic, but as I, you know, my interest moved towards Indian philosophy, um, the self is one issue which is, you know, a big debate between Hindus and Buddhists. And anyone studying Indian philosophy has got to study this debate. So I thought, you know, here's a topic which is right at the center of debate and something that really interests me. So that's why I started thinking more about the self. I know quite a bit about Buddhist philosophy, but I'm not very familiar with the Hindu theory. Could you explain a little bit about this? Uh, yes. I mean, according to the Hindus, um, the self is a soul substance. So very much like the Christians, they believe uh, that there is a soul substance which continues to exist, not only within this life, but in fact, it is an eternal substance. That means it's something which cannot go out of existence. So it continues over lifetimes. The Hindus believe in this theory of rebirth and transmigration. And according to them, the self is something that continues over lifetimes. So that's sort of the direct opposite of the Buddhist theory, isn't it? Absolutely. Hmm. If there is no sense of self, as the Buddhists say, how do they explain our sense of self in the Western world? Uh, no, it's rather if there is no self. The Buddhists say that there is no self, 
but each individual, each of us, has a sense of self, right? We tend to think of ourselves as continuing entities. I mean, we celebrate our birthdays for that reason. Uh, you know, we think we're a certain person born on a certain day and, you know, attach a lot of significance to do- those uh, things. Anniversaries is a similar thing. You know, we think that was an important day. But if the Buddhists are right, you know, there really is no sense of continuity. You're not the same person that was born on a certain day, or you're not the same person who had a wedding anniversary on a certain day. Then it seems pretty silly to make such, you know, noise about days which really have nothing to do with you. Um, so what the Buddhists have to, what the Buddhists need to explain is, you know, where does our sense of self come from? Um, we don't have a self, but why do we think we have a self? You know, this is a question that the Buddhist, Buddhist needs to answer. Um, and we can be wrong about lots of things, you know. Um, take, for example, an, an anorexic patient. She or he can be uh, have a sense that she's very fat, even though she's not. You know, that's that's what I mean by saying, you know, a sense of self, but not really having. You may have a sense of being, you know, very important if you're one of those people, but really not be all that important. Anyway, so that's what they mean by sense of self, and they have to give an explanation. And the Buddhists try and explain our sense of self by saying, we have a false sense of self. And this false sense of self is really the culprit. You know, that's the cause of so much suffering. Right, yes, even what you were saying about celebrating your birthday on a certain day, when you, when you think about it, it's just been somebody has constructed it's that a year is 365 days and if you're born on a, on a certain day, you know, you celebrate that every year. And it doesn't, I suppose it actually brings up the fault in the system if you're actually born on a leap year, doesn't it? <laughs> That's true. Um, and the Buddhists want to say the self is also a construction, very much like, you know, birthdays or anniversaries or, you know, Thanksgiving, call it whatever you will. That's exactly what the Buddhists want to say about the self. It's just a construction. So do you think that there is a connection between self and consciousness? There is, I think, and this is not true just of the Indian tradition or the Buddhist tradition. Uh, This is true of all philosophical tradition, even in the Western tradition, when they talk about, um, you know, views about the self, they're very closely tied to, you know, what is consciousness and what do we mean by self-consciousness. So much so that, you know, in Western philosophy, often, The self is nothing more than self-consciousness. But anyway, coming back to Buddhism, what is the, according to them, according to the Buddhists, the self does not exist, but that does not mean that the mind does not exist or consciousness does not exist. In fact, they think that the work of the self has to be done by the mind. So what I mean by saying that is, you know, the self has a certain role to play in our, in our you know, everyday going about our lives. And that role has to be taken over now by something else, which is the mind. 
The only difference between the two is if we think about the self, we think of it as a permanent entity. Once we start thinking about mind or consciousness, it's not something which is permanent. It is a transitory thing. I'm conscious of, you know, talking on the radio right now. And, you know, in an hour later, I will be conscious of many other things. So consciousness is not something which is permanent in the sense. And that's what the Buddhists want to get away from. They want to say consciousness exists, self-consciousness exists, but not the self. So do you think that anybody at all has a permanent sense of self? Well, I think it is, this is a bit worrying. You know, we don't, we might not have a permanent sense of self, but we have a sense of continuing it. Entity, We have a sense of being, you know, continuing into the future. I mean, why would we save for, you know, our retirement? What would be the point of putting away money for your superannuation if you did not think it would be you in the future who would be, you know, enjoying the fruits of your labor? Or someone, you know, that mattered to you. So even though we might not think of ourselves as permanent, you know, the very same thing continuing, we do think of ourselves as something that continues to exist um, over time, even though there might be some change. Now, the Buddhist view is more radical than that. They're saying you or, you know, nothing in you continues over time. Everything changes. Yeah, so I suppose you could even say that you, one connection between yourself over time is your memory. Yeah. But I suppose in a way when you actually really think about it, I mean, I've had, I've had some very strong memories of my childhood, but when I've discussed them with other people, they've said, no, it really didn't happen like that. It right. happened differently. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, that one connection that I have with, say, myself when I was very young mm-hmm. is, is even quite distorted. So I don't think your memory is even something that can be really 100% relied upon, can it? Sure, memory is not something that can be 100% relied upon. But if you think about it, um, you know, what we need for the, you know, sense of Self, what we need for the sense of continuity. Not that I should be able to remember a lot. Not that I should be able to remember, you know, all the incidents that have happened or all the important things that have happened between when I was three and when I was, I am, you know, 30. All I need is some things in the past and that's enough to hold on to. You know, so I think, you know, memory being not reliable is a slightly different issue from, you know, the sense of self. Some memories are not reliable, but I think, you know, even if there's one memory that's enough to make the connection that we must be a continuing thing. Mm, that's right. Look, I, I often wondered that if if I died and my brothers, who I haven't had any contact with for many years, yeah. if they attended my funeral, they would be grieving for a young child about three or four who, who's, well, my career aspirations at the time were to sell tickets on a spaceship to the moon. Mm-hmm. However, that young child that I used to be died many decades ago and now I'm a, I'm a really different person. So I suppose... 
if you looked at it logically, when someone dies, are we grieving for the person that they were or for the person that they would have become if they had have continued to live? That's a very tricky question. It's a very important question, but it's a tricky question. You know, when I personally think about, you know, what are we grieving for? Because the person who is in some sense dead and gone cannot, you know, feel the way we do. So what are we actually grieving for? We're grieving for our loss. And that loss is, I think, grounded you know, in a shared history we've had with that person doesn't need to be, you know, that very same person. But whatever part of your life you shared with your brothers, you know, there was a shared history then. And they have a sense of, you know, I don't think anyone expects uh, people to live lives, you know, according to how they see people's lives will turn out to be or according to, you know, their conception of life. It is more, I think, our grieving is uh, grieving the history. And the history is founded, you know, in the years or in the months or what we spend together. You know, there are incidents they will remember from that time that will, you know, make them feel your loss. And I guess that's what we do when we are grieving. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial, and we're discussing the self. I think that we don't just have one death throughout our lives, as most people think that we do. I think that we probably have hundreds of thousands of deaths, and these deaths occur when we change, not, not just not just changing in a, in a bodily sense, even though all of our cells are completely replaced every seven years, but when we have different ideas and thoughts and, and outlooks on life, um, we are certainly not the same person that we were six, six months ago, let alone, uh, you know, five years ago, <laughs> are we? Yeah. If... Picked on something very important, you know, this is a a translation from the Buddhist text, uh, which says a person lasts only as long as a thought lasts. So, you know, you're exactly right to say that, you know, a person is dying every moment, so to say. The Buddhist would not even say that, you know, you last um, a very long time. The moment a thought changes and a new thought comes into your mind, even as you're listening to me on the radio, I'm sure lots of new thoughts are coming to your mind. That makes you a different person, and that earlier person is now dead and is replaced by a new one. And it seems like a very counterintuitive view. We do not want to think in those ways. But the Buddhist, the Buddhist wants to say that that is exactly how we are evolving. And um, anything else is we're just holding on to a false sense of self. So I suppose in a way, instead of grieving for the person that we were, perhaps it would be better to celebrate the person that we have become. And as you said, you know, we have evolved. Yeah. I mean, the Buddhist, you know, I'm speaking here as a Buddhist philosopher. The Buddhist philosopher is actually trying to, you know, put forth this conception of self or this conception of no self, to be precise, in order to get you to think about, you know,
know, your or to stop thinking about your future self. We tend to spend a lot of time thinking about our future self. You know, are we going to have enough money to live on? You know, is there going to be enough? You know, will I have paid my mortgage off? Will I be able to drive? Will my health be good enough? So all our efforts are focused on this future self. And the Buddhist wants to say that think about it in this sort of way. You know, the kind of relation that you have to your future self is not, it's not a relation of identity. You are not the same person as your future self. So why do you care so much about this future self? So the idea, the you know, the main purpose of Buddhist philosophy is somehow to reduce suffering. And one of the ways to reduce suffering is to reduce this anxiety about our future selves. And so if we stop seeing ourselves as the same being or the same person in the future, we will stop being anxious about that individual in the future. And so I suppose there could be a fairly strong connection between self and happiness then. Yes, uh, there can be a strong connection between self and happiness, but here is how Indian philosophers and, you know, Buddhist philosophers and so far as they are part of the Indian tradition look at it. For them, all existence, you know, is suffering. That's the starting point. That's the, if you know about the four truths in Buddhist philosophy, that's the starting point. All existence is suffering. And that means that, you know, one of one of the aims of life is has to be to reduce the suffering. And this suffering has to be thought in Buddhist terms in an impersonal way. So here's how the Indians, you know, in general sort of Indian philosophers in general justify this view that all existence is suffering. They say, you know, when you seem to be enjoying, let's say, a glass of wine or a nice ice cream and lie on the street, you want, you know, you're enjoying it, but as soon as it finishes, it, what it does is creates a desire for more. So pleasure is only training the sense organs to have more desires. If you have more desires, they're going to be unsatisfied, and therefore you're going to suffer. So we are back to the thing, what seems like pleasure is at bottom suffering because we are only training ourselves to want more. It's increasing this desire. Yes, and I suppose it's important to appreciate, I suppose you could say, the the simple things in in life. And I suppose an, an example of that is if you'd organised to go on a holiday with a friend and, uh, say, an overseas holiday, and they, and they, for some reason, they weren't able to go. Mm-hmm. And you'd be very, very disappointed. You know, yeah. you'd paid for your tickets and you were looking forward to travelling with someone and now you, you sort of have the prospect of travelling alone, which, you, you know, you might be quite anxious about. Mm-hmm. And then you might become quite angry with them so mm-hmm. I suppose the thing is if if you're sort of not looking forward to anything um, you won't really be too disappointed will you? That's true I mean if you are not going to be looking forward to anything but I think that also and you know let me let me say this um, about Buddhist philosophy it also gives you a kind of bleak view of the future that you know we as human beings have nothing to look forward to and also seems like you know a false view 
all know from our own experience that we do look forward to things. That we do get disappointed. You know, it is, there is, as I was saying earlier, there is a lot of work that is done by this, you know, sense of self or the self you know, in terms of continuity. And what the Buddhists do is not, they're not saying that, you know, none of this needs to be explained. How can we explain disappointment? How can we explain anger? How can we explain? All of those things need to be explained. But, you know, we don't need something permanent. They can be explained by thinking about the mind as a stream of consciousness. So as a stream where, you know, one conscious state is replaced by another, is replaced by another, and these conscious states are causally connected. So that's the Buddhist idea. They'll give you an explanation of all these things. You know, they, the view seems counterintuitive. They understand that it seems counterintuitive. My way of thinking about it and my way of explaining it is to say the Buddhists replace the self with the mind in the hope that it will reduce suffering. Thinking about the world in this sort of way will reduce suffering. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is no permanent sense of self, should criminals that have been given very long jail sentences be released from time to time? Because they've, they've actually become a different person. And if society is punishing a different person than the one that has committed the crime, is this really just? Um, well, I mean, in some sense, you know, this notion of same and different person needs a lot more attention. Um, as I was saying earlier, you know, according to the Buddhists, we're a different person as soon as we have a different thought. Now, you know, that criteria just seems too too fine-grained and there are too many persons if you like then and no one can ever be held responsible for anything you know how's society going to function if there is nothing like you know a law to make people to punish people it is this is one of the consequences of the buddhist view if you think about it like i was saying you know there is no sense of futures, you know, we should not be too attached to our future self, does that mean we should give up our responsibility for our past? Because, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. The Buddhists say not. The Buddhists believe in the doctrine of karma, which says, you know, you have to pay for your actions, good and bad. You know, you will be rewarded for your good actions and you will be punished for the bad ones. That's the basic theory of karma, and the Buddhists take that on board. So what are they going to say here? We'll continue with our past, but not with the future? No. What they want to say is that we have causal connections. We have causal connections with our past and our future. And causal connections is the reason why, you know, we have to be punished on account of our past. If a past state has done something bad, then our present state, which is, you know, if you like, a a causal result of that earlier state, has to pay for it. And similarly, if my present state does something bad, then my future state will have to pay for it. If I'm a smoker now, then my future physical states are surely going to pay for it. Right? So that's how it's meant to work. That's how responsibility is working. That's how. And you might think, well, causal relations, you've just got the self back in. You've got everything that we wanted. 
that's not quite it. Causal relations do not, you know, sort of um, give you this notion of that I am this unique being causally related to my past and my future and will continue to exist over time. Causal relations are something that we have with beings around us. You know, with beings around us, with students that we interact with, with friends, with um, even when I'm talking to you, there is a causal interaction between us. And the Buddha says, just because of causal relations with your future and past states, you care about your future self, you should just as well care about other beings. So self-interest, you know, our care about our own future must be replaced by compassion, because what's at the bottom of all this? Causal relations. That's all there is. Connecting me and my future self, if you like, or me and my future being, and me and other beings around me. Yes, no, it's a very interesting topic. So thank you very much for coming onto the program today. Thank you. I hope it's been useful. <laughs> and I've been speaking to Dr. Monoma Chatter about the self. I'm Bridget Evans, and you're listening to Radical Philosophy on 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial. And that's all we have time for today. Now, we're going to go out today with a song from my favourite band, which is the Sisters of Invention. And the song is called Cold Soup in Germany.